Welcome to PathMed Psychiatry for Primary Care Providers, a podcast for providers. This is your host, Nana Adebi. I am a psychiatric nurse practitioner in the peninsular region of Sutter Health. Our producers are Colleen Tabata and Ryan Bautista. We hope you enjoy today's presentation. Hello, listeners. Today, we will be talking about self-harming behaviors, specifically non-suicidal self-injury, also known as NSSI. The first question one might wonder about or ask is, what is self-harm or what is NSSI? It is the intentional cause of injury to one's own self or body without the intention to die. Examples of self-injurious behaviors include self-cutting, scratching, burning, stabbing, excessive rubbing, banging, punching, hitting, or even breaking bones. The most common method, however, is skin cutting, which is seen in 70 to 90% of folks who engage in NSSI. NSSI is most prevalent among adolescents and young adults, typically occurring around age 13 or 14. Early detection and intervention is vital as the age of onset appears to be a risk factor for worsening NSSI and potential suicidal behavior. The DSM-5 has a proposed criteria for diagnosing NSSI. To give a basic summary of this criteria, the individual within the last year has, on five or more days, engaged in intentional and repeated self-infliction of shallow yet painful injuries to the surface of their body with the intention to reduce negative emotions, feelings, or thoughts. Examples include anxiety, depression, tension, anger, or overall general distress. Some individuals often report a sense of relief that happens during the behavior. And some folks, on the other hand, can conceive this behavior as an act of deserved self-punishment. There is preoccupation about the self-harming behavior that is hard to resist or the frequent urge to self-injure. Now, the behavior itself is not socially sanctioned, such as body piercing, tattooing, and it's not restricted to picking a scab or even nail biting. The consequences of the behavior causes significant distress in important areas of functioning. And lastly, the behavior is not exclusive to psychotic episodes, delirium, substance intoxication, or substance withdrawal. Basically, the behavior is not explained by another mental disorder or medical condition. There are equivalent rates between genders when it comes to self-injury and self-harming behaviors. However, there appears to be a sex difference regarding the methods of self-injurious behaviors. Females are more likely to cut their bodies, while males are more likely to use hidden or burning as the behavior. Another important sociodemographic trend to note is that self-harming behaviors appear to be more common among non-heterosexual folks, Caucasians than non-Caucasians, and the likelihood of experiencing neglect or other forms of abuse in childhood. Some warning signs to look out for that someone may be injuring themselves includes scars on their bodies, cuts, burns that are unexplained, having sharp objects on hand or close by, low self-esteem, poor emotional regulation, poor functioning at school, home, or work, 
And some people who self-injure may attempt to hide their scars and injuries with clothing and may wear clothing inappropriate for the weather. So, for example, on a nice summer hot day, you may see someone wearing long sleeves, flannel shirts just to hide these scars. Now that we know the criteria and what to assess for when diagnosing NSSI, let us dive into treatment recommendations. Effective treatment of NSSI is usually a combination of structured psychotherapeutic approaches and medication. Therapeutic approaches should focus on motivation for change, collaborative therapeutic relationships, and a direct address of the self-harming behavior. DBT, also known as dialectical behavioral therapy, has been shown to decrease self-harming behaviors in adolescents and young adults. DBT can consist of both individual and group components, and it focuses on teaching skills on emotional regulation, distress tolerance, mindfulness, interpersonal effectiveness. Other therapy modalities to consider can include cognitive behavioral therapy, which we commonly use, and mentalization-based treatment. Medications that target serotonergic, dopaminergic, and opioid systems, such as SSRIs, atypical antipsychotics, and naltrexone, have demonstrated some benefits. The most important thing to note, though, is to always consult with a psychiatric provider who will be able to help consult and navigate treatment approaches. Next time, we can dive deeper into specific medications, but for now, thank you for tuning in. I will catch you on the next episode. If there are any topics you would like us to consider, please email me, your host, Nana Adebi. Thank you.